As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to A King's Reign. I'm the host of the series, Andrew Schlecht. Coming up on the final episode of the series, Sam Amick and Jovan Buha discuss what this season and the rest of LeBron's NBA career may look like. A quick note, this episode was recorded before the news about Bronny's health came out. The conversation has been edited. Again, thanks for listening. Here now is Sam and Jovan on LeBron and the end of his career. Hello and welcome back to A King's Reign, the podcast series at The Athletic about LeBron James and his 20 years of dominance. I'm Sam Amick, typically the host of the Tampering Podcast, here today to talk all things LeBron, present and future, with longtime Lakers beat writer Jovan Buha. Jovan, what's up, sir? How's it going? Good, my friend. Listen, this series has been so much fun, but as you know, it has been looking backwards, right? The history of LeBron, how he got here, everything he's accomplished, um, and, and bringing us to this point. I am excited today for you and I to chop it up about the here and the now, because um, this is something that, that we typically traffic in in our day jobs. Me as a national writer at The Athletic, you as the Lakers expert, and um, this is a, a topic very familiar to you and I. The question, first of all, of LeBron and coming off of last season when the Lakers make that very surprising run to the West Finals. And the key question that he gave us about 17 seconds to ponder after game four against Denver was over of, is he going to return? How long is his career going to end? I'm sorry, continue. I feel like that is a natural starting point. You and I were there that night, Jovan. And uh, at the time, I think you would probably agree uh, not many people, if anybody, were immediately wondering, was that LeBron's last game? But but he made it a storyline because he gets in the press conference and he announces to the world that he has some thinking to do about the game. And uh, regardless of what anybody thought of that messaging that night, and he two months later at the ESPYs finally gives that official update that he is coming back. And he, <laughs> lucky for you guys. That day is not today where he walks away because he says he's not cheating the game and he can give it everything he has. Um, it, at minimum for me, Jovan, 
you know, say what you will about the theatrics that come with LeBron, that love him or hate him, that has been a massive part of his profile and his career and his personality. We have, we have long since been in this place with LeBron, though. We're at 38 years old. Regardless of what he says in a press conference like that, um, it is time for all of us to live in the moment in terms of appreciating his skills, his talent, what he's done in the game and what he continues to do uh, because we don't know when the end is coming. It, it could be an injury. It could be you know, some dramatic uh, you know, situation with the Lakers. You never know. It could be anything. But the man just had a, an extremely high-level season uh, at an extremely advanced age. Uh, and, and so as we go into this next season, season number 21, what is the perspective for you when it comes to where he is right now and where he's going? Well, as he told ESPN after the kind of hinting at retirement, uh, he's better than 90% of the NBA still, if not 95%. I, I would have him somewhere in that top 10, top 12. Uh, I think he, he's probably closer to a borderline top 10 guy. Uh, but the fact that we're talking about that in year 21, uh, he's going to be 39 in December. Uh, it's just incredible. We've never seen a player be this great this late into their career. Uh, we have seen guys like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, play at a high level, but not like this. In the 40-point, nine rebound, nine assist performance in game four, I think part of it was a leverage play with trying to as we've seen with LeBron throughout his career, he knows how to apply pressure and uh, to kind of keep his foot on the pedal to make sure that an organization is doing everything they can to put the best roster around him. Uh, so I, I think there was an element of that, but I also think he just gave his all. And for the first time, arguably in his career, his all was not good enough to even win a playoff game in a series, which you just rarely see LeBron get swept. Uh, I, I think, 2018 finals of course but that was against one of the best teams of all time uh in that you know KD Steph Warriors group but aside from that LeBron no matter how overmatched he's been in certain series always is great enough to win at least one game and and even in that series he almost won game 1 which was uh one of his best playoff performances of all time so i just look at it like he's still capable of leading a team to a championship he was the Lakers best player for a lot of this past season in, in year 20. But I think as we look forward, it's probably some type of load management. Uh, I know some people don't like that term, but he, again, year 21, 39, he's been injured in four of his five seasons in LA. Uh, I think it is a legitimate concern at this point of just maintaining his health. And I think we saw before his foot injury uh, this past season, that December January stretch, he was routinely dropping 30 points a night and carrying the Lakers even before the trades that you know uh, reformed this group. So I think for him, if he can have this offseason, uh, potentially get surgery this summer and come back into next season rested and healthy, the Lakers need to figure out a way to keep him that way into the playoffs. Because I think if you had that version of LeBron from earlier in the season, that team to me gets a game or two at least, uh, you know, over Denver and potentially makes that a, a you know really competitive series that the Lakers maybe even win depending on on what level LeBron's at. So just to reiterate a quick disclaimer on this pod, so much of this fantastic series has been a macro look at his 
career. We're really going to go micro today on, you know, the Lakers season that ended and where it's going in this current season, a little bit out. How long might he play? Is he going to finish in LA? Things of that nature. But Jovan, the thing that is most remarkable to me about the way he finished last season, and I think why that momentum should and, and probably will carry until next season, is that if I didn't tell you the man's age, and I didn't tell you any of the context, maybe I didn't even tell you the man's name, um, and I just told you 28 points, eight rebounds, six assists, um, that would put him in a class of two from last season. Just LeBron and Luka Doncic, the only two players in the NBA who put up those numbers, that's an individual thing. Now, collectively, when the Lakers had a fantastic February trade deadline and that flurry of moves really turned their entire season around, they obviously found something there. So since February 15th to the end of the regular season, the net rating for the Lakers, third in the entire NBA, only behind Boston and the Warriors. And then we saw what they did in the playoffs. And, and I know they got swept by the Nuggets, and we you know, we can reiterate it was a competitive sweep, but really there's no such thing. It's a sweep. Um, but there's a lot for LeBron to feel good about here. The nuance that I do want to get into with you is that that all sounds fantastic, right? Especially, hey, 38, you're competing. You're in the West Finals. You know, what more can you ask for? Well, the, the weirdness that came with his post-Game 4 press conference, in my opinion, was that there was this sense talking to people that, that he might have looked at the roster at that point and still wanted more and still had other ideas. You know, Kyrie Irving had showed up to watch one of those playoff games and sat courtside. That naturally sparked a lot of rumors about what it might mean. Um, where are you at now when it comes to the question of how LeBron sees this roster uh, and kind of those eternal leverage games that happened between he and the Lakers? Uh, because the outside world and, and really everybody in the NBA is is patting Rob Palenka on the back and saying, man, nice work. Uh, you guys in your front office really got the job done. But there still feels like there's a bit of this tugging feeling of, of LeBron wanting a, another name in L.A. Yeah, well, I think LeBron clarified uh, his stance on the current roster when he basically co-signed all the moves on his Instagram story and posted, uh, you know, each player uh, sort of what I found interesting was, it was sort of in order of importance. Uh, it was kind of like the, the guys they re-signed first, but Austin Reeves was, was first on that. And then it went into the new guys. But, um, you know, from, from what I've been told in conversations with different people this summer, uh, LeBron was still pushing for Kyrie and, uh, you know, as recently as this off season. And I mean, he was very vocal about it before the trade deadline. Uh, I remember being in new Orleans, uh, when he was asked about Kyrie asking out and, uh, he spoke very highly of him. He's continued to speak very highly of him. Uh, I mean, he, I think he had a, another recent Instagram story, uh, and, and sometimes with LeBron, you go to the social media because he's as calculated as anyone uh, when it comes to that stuff. Uh, but he's made it very clear that he and Kyrie have, have made up. And, uh, you know, I, I think any of that bad blood that there was that kind of ended uh, their you know partnership in Cleveland is gone. And I think he views him. Uh, I mean, I know you've reported on it a lot. I've reported on it. Uh, but going back to the Russell Westbrook trade, like Russ was not the Lakers' first option. They were looking at uh, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal and uh, DeMar DeRozan was another guy in the mix and ultimately settled on Russ. But I, I think from a fit perspective, Kyrie obviously would be a better fit in L.A. Uh, I, I think he's just a better player than Russ at, at this respective stages of their career, but also just his shooting, his ability to run, pick, and roll. 
uh, score in isolation. Like I just think it'd be a great fit. But so I, I think that that's the question moving forward is do the Lakers, you know, they have some flexibility with some of these contracts that they signed. Um, you know, they, they can't make a move for a lot of these guys in, until December 15th, but are they active again at the trade deadline? Um, you know, I, I look at that D'Angelo Russell contract as, uh, you know, a two-year deal. He waived his uh, veto rights on his deal uh, to, you know, prevent a, a trade so he can be moved and you know, do the Lakers take another big swing on a star at the deadline or do they take a smaller swing and kind of do what they did this past deadline and just add some role players that fit better and upgrade the roster? But uh, my understanding is, uh, you know, Le- LeBron has still been very um, keen on on potentially playing with Kyrie again. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if those rumors pop up again closer to the trade deadline, depending on what happens in Dallas. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here's what's crazy to me. Again, you know, I, I talked about last season, and if I didn't tell you who the name was, I gave you the stats, it would look pretty damn good. You'd be very impressed. You would not be thinking about this particular player considering retirement. Um, some of his comments, to me, potentially make me wonder, like, my goodness, how long might we see LeBron? Because if if not cheating the game is the most important question, and he indicated that it was, and the direct quote is, the real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Of course, then he went on to say, lucky for you guys, that day is not today. But he made another comment, Jovan, in that Espy's appearance that struck me, which was, so yeah, I've still got something left, a lot left. And it's that last little kicker, right, where he says a lot left. Uh, and you see it in the numbers. You see it in the performance. Uh, and you start to wonder. You know, I, There's part of me that, that, I mean, he's got so many other opportunities and and involvements off the floor, maybe that ends up being the thing that pulls him away ultimately. But if the litmus test 
is playing the game at a high level. He is a long ways from you know what we would consider retirement worthy. And another quick quote that I thought was worth sharing, kind of insightful, um, Lakers coach Darvin Ham during an appearance on Sirius XM Radio uh, had this to say about LeBron. At this age, what he's doing, it's unprecedented. Hopefully it's many more years or a few more to come. But if there's anybody that can do it, he could probably play until he's 50. Just the way he takes care of himself, the nutrition, the sleep habits, the regimen, everything he does, pre-work, during the work, post-work, the recovery process, and everything he does to make himself, again, not only available, but elite is second to none. The last thought there is that I actually, you know, I hadn't watched the SP's speech until recently. And when I did, it, it, I was a little surprised with how insightful he was because he also shares a story about how every summer that he has been considering this question of, you know, can I still give the game everything and not cheat the game, that he'd been considering it quietly and now he's just being more loud about that particular question. But that when he goes back and he gets to watch his boys play in their summertime AAU tournaments and get around the kind of a more – um, you know, a holistic version of the game, if you will, just getting back to the basics and getting back to, you know, the, the younger crowd, that it's re-energizing and it, it basically sparks something where he doesn't want to be done with his relationship with the game of basketball. And, and not to keep going on here, but it almost kind of, you know, gives you, you know, shades of, of Kobe and his Dear Basketball poem, you know, where this is a relationship between, you know, an all-time player and the game. And to hear him talk about, his thought process every summer. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not sure at this point what's going to pull him away. Well, I think the the obvious pair, uh, parallel that has been made and uh, I think will continue to be made is Tom Brady. And yeah, I think he kind of rewrote the way a quarterback could age with, uh, you know, some of these recovery uh, practices that he has and just investing in his body and time in the offseason and we know LeBron invests millions of dollars uh, in his body every offseason and, uh, you know, was willing to consult with multiple foot specialists to return as soon as possible. And, um, you know, I think in, in some ways, like if he ends up having offseason surgery and, and has to miss some, you know, potentially miss some time uh, next season or, or be on some type of load management plan, like that's because he came back sooner than expected and was trying to give it his all. And, and that's just, I think the way that he's wired, like he, he's not a guy who's going to uh, rest or, or, you know, sit out stuff. So I, I think for him, are um, you hearing just, again, that's interesting stuff you're sharing. Like what is the latest you're hearing on the foot? You've alluded a couple of times to the prospect of surgery still kind of floating out there. What are you hearing there? I haven't heard anything definitive, so I don't really want to speculate, but I, I mean, if I had to guess, I, I would guess he had some type of procedure at some point this offseason or, or is going to. Um, you know, he hinted at that as well toward the end of the season of, um, I mean, even when he returned, he said that uh, he had been suggested, you know, that, that he have season-ending surgery uh, given the, the status of his foot. So I, I think something is getting, you know, whether it's a small thing, a bigger thing, whatever, uh, I think something's going to ha- you know, happen or have happened th- this summer uh, to clean that up and, and get him ready for next season. But I think with, with him, it's again, it's, it's just the, the health. Uh, I think he wants to compete and contend. And he had another quote similar to uh, the, the mind state stuff of uh, earlier in the season in Miami where 
that's when the team was kind of struggling and, and he put like, you know, I, I have to be in the right mind state to keep playing. And that was, that was really the first time he floated any notion of potentially retiring, but that also felt like a bit of a tactic to put pressure on the front office of you guys need to put better pieces around me. Otherwise I'm not going to be here that long, uh, be it, you know, leaving elsewhere or retiring. So I think as long as the Lakers or whatever team he plays for put the right types of players around him and he's confident in the roster and he can stay healthy. Uh, I could see him easily playing into his early forties, uh, which would be another two, three, maybe even four seasons. Let's uh, take a quick step back as we wind down here and, and, and talk a little bit about historical context of where he is now and where he might be going. Uh, and, and really the question of, do you think, there's anything left that he's chasing. The obvious one, of course, is titles. You know, he's two away from Michael Jordan. Um, that feels like something that, you know, has unofficially passed him by. I mean, who knows? Never say never. I, I certainly don't see it. Um, and he, more importantly, he doesn't seem as if that is a driving force for him anymore. It, again, it's more about his relationship with the game. Is he cheating the game? And is he able to play at a high level and enjoy it? Those sorts of concepts seem to motivate him more than chasing another historical milestone. Uh, he's got damn near all of them at this point, and I tried to look up a few here to remind myself the obvious all-time scoring record. But you look at the postseason, Jovan, and my God, he's got you know all-time playoff games, uh, playoff points by 2,000 points, which is just insanity. It's more than 2,000 than Michael Jordan in the postseason. Um, what for you, if anything, jumps out in terms of historical – you know, marks that, that he might still be interested in. Uh, I think it's, it's still just titles uh, because I think in the goat debate, the two things that are consistently held against him are MJ's finals record, which LeBron is never gonna, you know, can't go back in time and be undefeated in the finals. Uh, but it's also the six titles. Like I, I think if he was, uh, you know, he's what four and six, in the the finals, if he was six and six or even five and six, uh, I think that matters to, to some people. It doesn't necessarily matter to me, but um, I think because he even mentioned that after the Denver series where someone asked about the success of the season and, uh, you know, sort of looking at where you guys started and where you guys finished, like, is this a successful season? And he's like, I mean, making the conference finals is is basically nothing to me. Like I've I've made the conference finals more than half my career. Like it's for him, it's it's really you know championship or bust. So I think the records are great. I mean, w once he passed Kareem, that was really the last big record that he needed to clear. Well, uh, and I he's think, fourth as quickly. He's fourth in assists, but he's not likely going to make any headway there. Chris Paul is ahead of him by more than a thousand and Chris is still playing. Then you're talking about Jason Kidd at number two uh, being more than 2000 ahead of him. So, you know, in terms of things within reach, uh, the assist uh, category does not appear to be one of them. Yeah. And I think that there's going to be several things that you mentioned the playoff scoring, like he'll probably add to that cushion. And I suspect if he plays another few more years, like he's going to have several records that have no chance of being broken or, or just, you know, very unlikely, uh, to be broken. But to me, I, I think if he can add a fifth championship, I, I just think at that point with 
the longevity with him potentially playing 24, 25 years uh, and, you know, assuming he continues to age gracefully, like at that point, I think the body of work is just so overwhelming that I I think many people that might not even be considering him the greatest player of all time right now probably shift that opinion four or five years from now, uh, again, if he's still playing at a level we've never seen. But um, besides that, I mean, what what is there? Like, I, I don't think he... I mean, even the accolade stuff and, um, you know, cause he's, he's going to add more all-star appearances, all NBA appearances. Like I think that'll continue and he'll, he'll break some records there, but even the scoring record, like he tried to downplay that a bit in terms of, uh, just his chase and, uh, him really wanting it and the significance and different things. And, uh, of course it was a spectacle. It was a historical moment and it was a big deal, but I think for him, it's at least the way he, kind of frames it publicly it it is championship robust and i think if he could add one more uh that would really go a long way in terms of how he's viewed from a historical perspective for for some people again i I think for me you know you could have that goat debate already with him versus jordan uh but I, i do think there are some people where if he got a fifth one that would either put him on the same level as jordan or above i'm gonna end with this my friend um because you mentioned Jordan. The the one thing, I mean, I get it. Titles are bust. You know, that's the rings culture that, that we kind of are a part of. I would like to take a minute to say that I think my stance when it comes to the late chapter in his career is that uh, I respect the hell out of the idea that, that he is already doing something that has never been done, and it's not even close at this age. And it probably doesn't get said enough. And I almost would think that we need to – you know, live in the moment a little bit more and appreciate what these couple of years represents. And even again, we don't know how many more years he has to come um, because he often gets compared to Kareem in terms of, you know, a, a late in life player who is still performing at a high level. When Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was 38 years old, he uh, averaged 23 and a half points and 6.1 rebounds. Um Certainly not pedestrian numbers, but they were not Kareem numbers, at least not on the boards and, and, you know, and, and really not anywhere near the kind of impact that LeBron just had in this past year. And then from there, Kareem played three more seasons, but fell off uh, pretty drastically, uh, you know, in his final year, 10.1 points and 4.5 boards, all of which is to say that it's like, you know, Michael Jordan didn't do this during the Wizards era. um, And, you know, you do, I don't do this often, but you feel like you got to just go ahead and tip your cap to a guy who, regardless of whether they win the title next season, he's on a good Lakers team, entertaining a Lakers fan base that, you know, at minimum is expects to be entertained. You know what I mean? These years of not making the playoffs, that's not Laker way. That's not, you know, what they do. Um, The vibe is good with the Lakers again, it it appears, and they're going to be a competitive team and he's going to be a big part of it. And the fact that that's coming 20 years in, uh, considering all that this guy has already accomplished, legitimately blows me away. And and for me, I'm just going to go ahead and and enjoy kind of the end of his ride, regardless of of what the final outcome is. I think you're right. Like, and that's I think the the point of this series is appreciating LeBron's greatness. And uh, you know, we we do live in a debate and take culture where people want to compare. LeBron and Jordan, LeBron and Kareem, all three of them, uh, you know, whoever else you want to throw in that mix. But uh, LeBron is one of one. And I I think I even look at 
Victor Wembanyama and the hype that he's gotten recently and uh, some of his, or, you know, he only played two summer league games, but the struggles in that first game and, and just, you know, being there, watching it up close and seeing just that moment kind of, you know, naturally being a lot for any 19, 20 year old to handle. And LeBron came in from day one and was an all-star level player and was, you know, again, it's, it's funny seeing, you, you'll see a, a, a rookie list of, of this or that. And it's always LeBron, you know, the, the first, you know, 19 year old to do this since LeBron, the first 20 year old to do this, like, and he's now, as we're talking about like going to year 21, age 39, still playing at an all-star all NBA level, still arguably in that top 10 conversation. Like it's just incredible. The hype that this guy had from day one, he lived up to the hype. He exceeded the hype. He's continued to exceed the hype. And regardless of how you feel about him and, uh, you know, his, his career, like this is just something we've never seen before and something we're unlikely to see uh, ever again. Thank you so much for listening to A King's Reign. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. We'll be back with our regular shows here on the Athletic NBA Show. Stay with us here as we get ready to discuss the upcoming NBA season. I'm Andrew Schlecht, and it's been a pleasure hosting this series. Thanks again. Rob Peterson is the editorial supervisor and creator of A King's Reign. Joe Varden is the consulting producer. Kent Garrison is the theme music composer. Reporting for the series was provided by the Athletic NBA staff. Andrew Schlecht is the host of the series. Matt Havia and Mike Smeltz are the executive producers.